this you have poured out grace you brought me out of darkness you have filled me with peace Gilbert mercy you're a help in time of Lord I can't help but see
It's like a hurricane I am the tree Bending beneath The weight and the wind Of his mercy When all of a sudden I'm unaware Of these afflictions Eclipse by glory And I realize Just how beautiful you are And how great your afflictions Adore me He loves Oh, how he loves us Oh, how he loves us Oh, how he loves Yes, he loves us Oh, how he loves us Oh, how he loves us By the grace in his eyes, the grace is an ocean we're all seeking. So heaven meets earth like an unseen test. My heart beats violently inside my chest. I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way how he loves us.
excited about being in the house of the living God this morning. We have a really nice book right here. It's good for making a prayer book or just a little note-taking journal, but we're going to have a little trivia this morning if you would like to participate. The question is this, if you would like this. Do y'all want this? It has Millwood Church in our website on the front. It's really awesome. And so the question would be this. Who was the first man to die on the earth? Terry, you can't play. Cain. No, yeah, Cain killed his brother who? Oh, 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 so I win. Okay. She's in the right ball game for sure. Yeah, but that's kind of confusing, ain't it? But we started off right this morning learning something this morning. First man to die on this earth was Abel. Cain killed his brother Abel. As you know, in Millwood, we have our first Sunday of the month. We celebrate the Lord's Supper. So, men of God, if you'd make your way this morning and begin, first of all, passing out the bread. I'm going to read some scriptures this morning for you guys, quote a few scriptures for you guys, and we're going to celebrate this. The Bible says, for whenever you eat this bread... And drink this cup, you proclaim 
the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment upon himself. And that's why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. That means passed away. But if we judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. Let us pray. Pray for yourself. Confess your sins before God. Father, we thank you this morning for the Holy Scriptures. We know that your word is life. Your word is what our spirit man desires and needs to live on. And Father, your word says that if we will confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We examine ourselves not according to the world today, but we examine ourselves by your word. Lord, and I thank you, God, that you are just, that you are mighty and awesome, and you are still on the throne. I'm reminded even now that the Bible says, let every man be a liar, but let your word be true. And we celebrate your truth today in the mighty name of Jesus. And God's people said amen and amen. I want you to take the bread of life in your right hand, the symbol of life, the symbol of the body of Christ. John tells us that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Uh, but if we'll confess our sins that God is faithful, and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And if we claim that we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. So Lord, we confess today that we are all sinners and that we all have sinned and we all have fallen short to your glory. But we thank you for the ultimate sacrifice of the body of the Lamb of God. We thank you for the body that was beaten and bruised, the stripes on his back. Your word tells us, Lord, that, Lord, you bore the sins of the world upon you. But it's by your stripes today, God, that we are healed physically, mentally, and spiritually. And we receive it today by faith in God's people. Receive the bread even now. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Paul said, for what I received from the Lord, I passed on you on the night he was betrayed. And when he had given thanks for the bread, he broke and said, this is my body, which is for you do this in remembrance of me. 
And in the same way, the Lord, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Everybody say, in his blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The Bible says that the law requires that almost everything be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Can I give you some more blood verses? Ephesians says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. First Peter says, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you redeemed, but it was with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Colossians says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us, come on, amen, he has brought us, he has bought us with the blood. Are you with me so far? Ephesians 1, 7 and 9, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he's lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his pleasure, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Father, we raise the blood high in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the symbol that you have given us, Lord. And we thank you, God, we do this in remembrance of your completed work on the cross. We believe by faith, oh God, that you died on the cross. You shed your precious blood for the forgiveness of sins. And we confess it right now, Lord. We believe it, we trust it, and we receive it by faith in God's people receive it in Jesus' name. Glory be to the Lamb. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to make your way to 2 Peter. <clears throat> 2 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 3 through 9. As you know, this, is, this will be our third and our final week of this powerful sermon series entitled, Through These and Through Them. And I pray these past couple weeks you guys have been blessed by what God has given us. I hope that this has enlightened you. I pray that God has grown you in your faith but if it has not, then just go back and review, review over and over until he grows you. If you find your place in the Bible, 2 Peter chapter 1, 3 through 9, please stand this morning for the reading of God's holy scriptures. You got your place, say amen. The Bible says his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness 
through a knowledge of Him who's called us by His own glory and goodness. And through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape to corruption in the world caused by its evil desires. He said, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And the self-control, perseverance. And the perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities, listen, in an increasing measure, everybody says an increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Let us pray. Father, I thank you this morning, oh God, for the reading of your word. Father, I humble myself before you and before your people. I know, God, that with you, Father, I can do all things. But I also know, Lord, that your hand is upon me even now. And I know by faith, Lord, you are pleased with me. And I ask, God, that you would touch these lips of clay. Touch my mouth with the fire of God and burn out everything, Lord, that's displeasing of you. I pray that you would help me to speak the oracles of God clearly, anointed and on fire. Father, I just pray right now that you would move by your power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and begin to touch hearts, to touch lives. Lord, I even feel that some are feeling defeated even now, but I pray in the name of Jesus that you would encourage them right now by your word. Father, just have your way in this service. Bless this service in the mighty name of Jesus. And God's people said amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. Now, as you know, we have covered a ton of material these past two or three weeks. And there's no way that I could go back and, and, and go over those, but I would like to highlight a few of the main points to get everybody basically on the same page. But one of the main things that we've learned these past few weeks is that these and them, everybody say these and them, are simply referring to God's divine power, God's divine word, and God's divine promises. And you say, why would I want these? If you would like to walk in the divine nature of God, you must have every, every one of these that I mentioned this morning. And I want to remind you of a few scriptures this morning about the Word of God. I know this is not part of the text, but I feel like I need to speak it anyway because it's powerful. 
The, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 that all scriptures is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God, the woman of God, the child of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 and 12 that the word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of so and spirit and joints of morrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. In other words, the word of God is living, it's breathing, it's powerful, and it will cut down to your spiritual man, to who you really are. When I look at Roger, for example, when I look at his body, that's not Roger. But the real Roger is the spirit man looking through those windows we call eyes. And that's why when Jesus looked at people, he was not concerned about the outside. He looked into the heart of the man where they really lived. Are you with me so far? And so we've learned that through these and through them, we have access to something called the keys to the kingdom of God. Isaiah, he prophesied that Jesus would come and he would have the keys of the kingdom of God. Isaiah 22 and 22, the Bible says, I will place on his shoulders the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And what he binds on earth will be bound in heaven and what he loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so once Jesus came to this earth and he accomplished all that had to be done for you and I, he handed the keys to us. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 19, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I'm going to say something. I don't want to bust your bubble because when you hear those verses, all of a sudden we kind of feel all puffed up like we got, got all this power, and we do. But what we have to understand is this. God, the Father, has the ultimate choice. He has the final word. In other words, even though I may bind and even though I may loose it may not happen according to my will, but it must happen according to the will of the Father. But that does not mean that we stop praying for people or things in our life. We continue, regardless of what we see or what we feel or what we hear, we pray by faith. And sometimes the, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And God moves his mighty hand and individuals are set free from their afflictions. Are you with me so far? In fact, we know that the Apostle Paul was one of the greatest men on the entire earth that ever walked this earth. And we know that God gave him surpassing great revelations. And because of the revelations that God showed him, God also gave him a thorn in the flesh a messenger of Satan to torment him. 
And Paul, being a great man of God, you know, he was binding, he was loosening. Come on, amen. But the Bible simply says this. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But God said that my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weaknesses. Paul said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Let me just say this. If you're feeling just a little weak today, if you're feeling just a little unsure, then just remember this, that God's strength is made perfect in your weaknesses. Let me break it down to where the rubber meets the road. God does his best work with nothing. Mm -hmm. I'm just nothing, Pastor. Perfect. You're perfect. Now, get out of the way and see what God can do. And so we learn that these and them, that there is a way that we can access them quickly. And that is through one word, and that is the word faith. Because the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen, Hebrews 11 and 1. But we also learn in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one may boast before the Father. Your faith, your grace is a gift. Why? Because God wants all the glory. I love that, man. I, I, I'm glad that God gets the glory for every time I preach. I'm glad that, that, that I'm not waiting for someone to pat me on the back. Good job, Pastor. I don't need that. I kind of do, but I don't. Come on, amen. Because this is a hard job up here. Sometimes it's good to add a boy. Come on, amen. But, 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 but the reality is, is that in my weaknesses, in my uneducation, God is glorified through me because God can take a nobody like us and do mighty and wonderful things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Are you with me? And so we talk that, that you know, by taking this faith and applying it to these and them, we can begin to develop our faith because God does not want us to stay in immature, undeveloped faith. Some of you have faith, the same faith you had when you were first saved, when you were first born again. And your faith has never grown simply because you have never taken the precepts of God's word, the prescription of his word, and begin to apply them into your life. And so we learn that the way to grow your faith is simply by what? Hearing the word of God. That's why it's important to be here every Sunday. You know why? Because you are going to hear the word of God. The Bible tells us in the book. Let me find it. Romans 10 and 17, the Bible says, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, when I read this, this is what I say. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
The more I hear it, the more my faith begins to grow. That's why when you walk in, you're kind of half in, half out. Your one foot's on one side of the fence, one foot's in the world, but then also when the preaching begins and the Holy Spirit begins to move, all of a sudden the feet come together on the right side. All of a sudden your faith begins to rise up. I don't feel the same way I did when I walked in, Pastor. I was feeling kind of down. Oh, but now I can feel the Holy Ghost begin tugging on my life. And I say, you know what? If God be for me, who can be against me? And so we also learn that Peter writes these words, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. He said, like newborn babes crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You know what's on the menu today? Jesus. And I got news for you, he's tasted. Amen. I love the way that Jesus taste. His word is delightful. It's a blessing on my tongue. And then we learned how to grow our faith. By last week, we began by learning to, to add certain things to our faith. We, earn, we, we learned that we're supposed to add goodness, knowledge, self-control, and perseverance. That's what we covered last week. That's the first four. And so we come to number five on the list, which is godliness. We are called to add something to our faith. It's like when you get the cake completed, it's really not completed until you add the what? The frosting. You're adding frosting to what God's already cooked. Come on, amen. You're adding godliness. And when I think of godliness, I think of certain men in the Bible. I think of Ezekiel, Isaiah, Daniel, I think of Enoch, how the Bible said that all together Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was no more because God took him away. But I also think about Noah. The Bible says in Genesis 6 and 8 that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The only way you can find favor in the eyes of God is to walk by faith, not by, you got it. Genesis 6, 9 through 10. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his day. Noah walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I love Noah. Noah, against everything else around him, he had faith in God. He'd never seen rain. he never felt rain. he never heard of rain. But God said, I want you to build an ark. Come on, amen, in the middle of nowhere. He didn't worry about nothing but finding his saw. Where my saw? Where my hammer? I got to get busy. I got to build this ark. It's going to take me a long time to accomplish it. I think it took him 120 years to build it. (laughs) Come on, amen. That's a long time to be building on something. I feel like I've been building on stuff for 120 years. Woo, glory. But, but in a nutshell, when you look into the Greek language, you, you find the word Yosebiah. Yosebiah. That's the Greek word for godliness. And what that means is the quality of being godly and reflecting in your life the God you serve. In other words, the only way that we can really truly identify ourselves 
to the world who we are is that we have to take the word of God. We have to study the word of God. We have to learn the word of God. And not only that, but then we have to apply. Because like I said a few weeks ago, you can know everything there is there is to know about the Bible. But if you never apply what you know, then you'll never be effective or productive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's many men who can tell you everything about Jesus, but they have no power in their life. You know why? Because they're not using what they know. Oh, hallelujah. And so we learned that through the divine power and the divine word and his dwelling can, can be living in us and through us. And the best way I know to do this is what David said in Psalms 119.11. He said, Lord, I, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. James says it like this, James 1 and 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. What's it say next, somebody? Do what it says. You want power? You want anointing? You want the divine revelations to flow out of you? Do what it says. Now, we, we cover this a lot in this church. We are a Bible-believing church because to you and I, the Bible is like our playbook. I don't know if y'all ever played football. I know Miss Betty wasn't on a team somewhere playing football, but she knows there's a thing called a playbook. Now, this is what I had trouble in football. I could play football, but I couldn't remember the plays because when I looked at it, it was all crazy. Come on, amen. And so I do my very best to do my homework, study the plays, but, but here's what I would do, Roger. Once, once the ball was snapped and I began to move in according to the play, but then I began to play by instinct. And so I was an instinctive player. I played good as long as I was playing by instinct, but I was terrible at the playbook. Now, now this is the problem with many Christians. They're, they're trying to play by instinct. You can't play by instinct and walk in the will of God. You got to play according to the rule book. You got to play according to the playbook. Because you see, it, your instinct, when, when someone would slap you in the face, your instinct said, I'm going to slap them right on back, Sammy. Come on, amen. But, but you see, the word of God said, no, no, no. Well, when they slap you, the playbook says, you know what? Give them another cheat. Woo. See, see, the playbook tells us that, you know what, we, we, we don't just store up treasures, come on, on this earth, but we store up treasures in heaven. See, that, that, that's, that's, that's when you're giving your stuff away. How are you ever going to have anything? I'm not worried about what's down here because I'm storing it up because the playbook tells me I'm not worried about this stuff. This is temporal, but I'm storing up treasures in heaven where thief can't steal Moth can't eat and rust can't decay. And so everything that the world has is completely the opposite of the Word of God. And so if you go by instincts, you're going to be in trouble because you're not going to walk according to the will of God. Listen to what Jude says in chapter 1, verse 17 through 19. I'm going to try to quote this. But dear friends, 
Remember what the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said that in the last days, there'll be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you. These are the men who follow mere natural instincts, but do not have the spirit. In other words, you have certain preachers preaching by instinct. Ooh, this is what they like to hear. This is what they want to hear. No, 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 no. The man of God is going to preach what God says to preach, regardless if it's in season or out of season. That's the difference. And so we learn that, that by walking according to the rule book, the playbook, you and I can learn to control our tongues, our hearts, our hands, our feet. And by controlling our feet, we can now stay in step with the Spirit of God. Galatians 5 and 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, this Spirit inside of us called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will not ask you to do something unholy. That's a good word right there. Because He's holy. He, he's of God. He is God. Come on, amen. If God's telling me to do something that contradicts his word, it's not God. It's the little G. And many times the little G, the devil, will take the word of God and use just enough to confuse you. That's why you need to study and show thyself approved. But one of the things that the word of God teaches us, the simplicities of being content. Everybody says, I need to be content. Why is that? Listen to what Paul says, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and 6 through 9. But godliness, that's what we're looking for, right? But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content for that. He says, people who want to get rich... They fall into a trap, into temptation, into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. We have to learn to add to our godliness contentment. I got to learn to be content. When your house rocks, leave it alone. Hmm. When your truck's already knocking it out, man, you don't have to add wheels to it. Just thank God you got a truck to go from point A to point B. Maybe your radio don't shake the windows. Last night I heard something. I said, what was that noise? Chris said someone was basing. I said, if they could hear through my ears, they would stop basing. Because I'm going to tell you, in the long run, you'd be going, huh? Huh? <laughs> Amen. That's part of my language now, huh? Paul said... In Philippians 4, 12 through 13, he teaches us something right here. Austin, he teaches us the secret of being content. Y'all want to know the secret? Listen to this. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. He said, I've learned the secret of being content in, every, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or won't, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You, you want to be content? Just be happy you got Jesus. 
And once you get satisfied with the King of King and the Lord, Lord, there's nothing else out there appeals to you. Hmm, I got Jesus. What else do I need? I got eternal life. What else do I really need? I got health. I got strength. I got prosperity. I got blessings because I got the King. I am the Son of the living God. Woo, that's a lot. Man, I, I bear his name and he bore mine on the cross. Y'all like this so far? But also, Paul says that we have to flee. To flee from the things of this world. Listen to this. He tells Timothy, he says, he said, but you, man of God, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith. Come on, are you with me? I wish I was here. Faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. He said, fight the good fight of faith and take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We have to flee. Because when the trials and, temp- trials and tribulations come against us, sometimes we are tempted to be weak. Let me, let me help you. When everybody else around you has no faith, it's very difficult to flee from that and have faith. Come on, amen. If you surround yourself with unbelief, it's hard to believe. And, and, and I won't just tell you my secret. I get in my zone. I mean, yeah. And so when I fall at the feet of a sick man or a woman, I fall at their feet. I don't look around me. I don't look behind me. I don't even look at the sickness. What I do see is healing and faith. And I start focusing on the Word of God. The Bible says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Because I tell you what, when you pray for people who are down and out, sick, dying, I'm going to promise you, the devil will show you what you're dealing with quickly. He will magnify you. And all you can see is the problem and not the answer. And so even though we're praying in faith, we keep in our mind, you know what? God's will. God's will will take place. But I'm going to believe by faith that the supernatural will happen regardless of what I see, what I hear, or what I feel. Are you with me so far? And so we come to number six. Can I finish this? Ooh, man, I'm sorry. I might have. No, we're going to finish this. If you need to go to the restroom, it's right back there. You're not going to bother nobody. I'm going to finish this. Number six is brotherly kindness. I got to add brotherly kindness to my what? What are we adding to? To my faith. I'm building my faith. I'm adding adding brotherly kindness to it. So what is brotherly kindness? Brotherly kindness is loving your neighbor more than your brother. It'd be like Glitch bringing his brother to the concert, and then all of a sudden Glitch is loving on Iron Man more than his brother. That don't even make sense. That's right. But, but to have brotherly love 
It's like, say, my brother Mark showed up for the first concert he ever saw me play, and I said, I love you, bro, but I'm going to hang out with Glitch. Because Glitch may need something at the time that he may be going through something, may be dealing with his eyes. And so we have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into loving people the way you would love your own flesh and blood, and even beyond that. Jesus said in Luke 6, 31 through 33, do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And so here's the question. How do I like to be treated? And so that's simple, man. I, I love to be complimented. That's, that's a give me. I love to be checked on when I'm sick and I'm down and out. Have you ever been sick and no one ever called you? How you doing, man? Yeah, but when they do, you're like, yes. You like to be remembered for what you have accomplished at the workplace. If you worked your tail off all week and no one said good job, you would be down. But that's what we like. We like to be complimented. We like to be treated like a human being and not a number. I remember when TXU bought us, when I was with gas company, Lone Star Gas, and they bought us for a season, those people did not treat you like a human. You were just a number, another number. But when Atmos bought us, all of a sudden you became a, a person again. There's a big difference. If you have, let me just say, if you have employees, we have to learn to treat them like your own brother. Woo. Boy, that's, that's something else, isn't it? In other words, you're going to go the extra mile for them. Don't expect them to go the extra mile for you. Help me out, Jesus. Are you with me so far? We can't forget the simple things. In life, we like to eat. I can see you guys like to eat. Come on in. We like to eat, and we like good clothing. Amen? Well, so does your neighbor. So does your brother. Let's look at 1 John chapter 3, 17 through 18. John says, if anyone has material possessions and he sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and truth. In other words, do something about it. James chapter 2, 15 through 17, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith without works is dead. A great example is what Jesus tells us in the parable of Luke 10, 30 through 37. Luke 10, chapter 10, verse 30 through 37. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. That's supposed to be the man of God. So to a Levite, 
When he came to the same place, he saw him and he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he was traveling, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him. He bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he took the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, look after him. He said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have had. Jesus asked the Pharisees, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robber? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. That's how you treat your neighbor. You don't run to the other side of the street when you see that they need something to eat or clothes to wear. Now, understand, there's some hooks out there when I say hooks, they're, they're professional at, at getting, getting to your senses. Mm. If I make myself look super pitiful and I wear the same clothes for weeks and weeks, surely they'll give me more. So you have to be careful. You have to ask the Spirit of God, is this guy for real? Is she for real? Because I can promise you, you could be making rich people richer. Ask God to help you. Is this people really in need? And you will know in your spirit. Yes. In fact, you want to, he'll tell you right off before you even move, this person needs help. You'll hear it. You'll know it. You'll feel it. And you'll move. At least that's how it works with me. You'll see me sometimes just jump out of the car, run with money in my hand because I'm led to help somebody. And other times I just, because I'm not hearing that still small voice say, Go. It's a shame we live in a world like that. So we come to the last one. Can I finish this today? We got to add love. Love to my faith. This is easier said than done. Because my love and biblical love are not even on the same plane. I know what love is. But do I know how to apply it? Love is easy to, 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 to give those who love me back. I, I can love Emily any day, most days. Depending on how snappy she is. But she can come in and, and it's easy to love her because she's always loving to me. But, but you see, our love falls short to the love of what God is trying to call us to agape love. That's the highest level of love. That's when you learn how to love your enemies. Luke 6, 27 and 28. Jesus said, but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. Woo! Everybody say, ouch. Mm, I got to love that devil. I guess so. I'm trying to love him out of hell. Are you with me so far? Well, I got a friend. She, she calls me frequently. She's talking about her mom is so unloving to her for years. And I just say, keep loving. And just remember, when you're faced with that person, it's not really that person you're faced with, but the devil working through her. Mm, come on, amen. I'm not giving no names. But listen to this. You say, well, well what if I don't, Pastor? What if I don't love? Let's see what John says. First John 4 and 8. 
John says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. <laughs> In other words, if you have the divine power, divine word inside of you, there's no way that you can't love. Mm. In other words, what's inside of you will cause you to be the love God called you to be. His divine power will work through you. The Holy Ghost will give you the grace to accomplish God's will, and that is to love the unlovable. 1 John 3.15, John says, Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. 1 John 4 and 20, if anyone says I love God yet hate his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Let's close with this. To get to the deepest level of faith, I've got to add the deepest level of love. And it's found in 1 Corinthians 13. 4 through 8, it says what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. Mm. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Listen to this. Love keeps no records of wrong. <laughs> I fail. Come on. It's so easy to remember what someone did back then. Love keeps no record. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. And love never fails. And so what the Bible's teaching us is that we need to take these 15 attributes of what love is and then add them to the seven that we've been studying in order to walk in God's will. Woo! Man, we, we got a lot of work to do, guys. Now, here's what I want. I want one person to volunteer. I'm not telling you what it is until you raise your hand. Chicken. Sammy. Okay, this is your homework. Now, the easy thing to do is take 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, that describes what love is, and just write it down, put it on your icebox, and read it every morning. That'll work pretty good. Put it on your desk. Read it every morning. That works pretty good. But the best way is to take that scripture. You're going to have to now. You don't volunteer. I want you to take these scriptures this week and memorize it. And next week, we're going to test you what love is. <laughs> now, you say that's too much, Pastor. It's a lot. I already did it. It took a while. It took a lot of Memorizing, you got to go over and over and over, and eventually it will fall in place. You got to keep repeating it over and over. And I still miss a few, which is okay, but I'm in the ballpark when I do it. But, but understand, if this is too much for you to memorize, what, you need to, what you're saying to me is that, you know what, it's not important enough to me. I'm too lazy to do it. That's what you're saying if you say, I can't do this. What if I tell everybody? Now, I have the authority in the church being the pastor. I can say, you know what, I command you guys in the name of Jesus, next week I want everybody to have 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 memorized. And I'm going to make everybody stand up. I can do that. But I wouldn't do that because that's being mean. Love ain't mean, Pastor. <laughs> Amen. But, but Sammy, he's going to memorize this week, and I can promise you 
ask God one thing. God, I need grace. And watch him pour it. Because what you're doing, you're saying, I'm getting my mind in line with your scriptures. And I'm trying to improve my love. I'm glad someone says, you know what, I'll try this out. And maybe the reason God spurred you because you need to work on your love. Come on, amen. I'm just saying, I don't know. Only God knows what he's speaking to you. But if you're struggling with loving your enemies, then go ahead and start memorizing this. And it won't take you long. You can do it in a week. But listen to this, Romans 12 and 1. Paul says, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is your spiritual act. Your job is to lay your life down and offer it unto God as a living sacrifice. Jesus did not die first, and then they nailed him to the cross. Do you understand that? No, he was a living sacrifice. He suffered, and so when we're, sacrif- when we're living a sacrificial life unto God, it will cause you a little pain and suffering. Because it will challenge you to the core. Let's all stand. I'm through now. I want to take God's divine power, His Holy Spirit. I want to take God's divine word, His scriptures. I want to take God's divine promises, everything He's promises. I want everything this word has for me. Everything. I not only want it for myself, but I got to love my neighbor as myself. I want God's promises for you and you, Miss Lucy. I want it for you, Misty. And so if I love my neighbor as myself, I'm not going to spend my time praying just about me. That's us. Naturally, that's how we pray. Lord, I need this. We need that. I need this. Me, myself, and I. My family. My children, no more. Come on. No, no, no. In order for me to love the way Christ loved, Christ didn't just pray for one person. He prayed God so loved the world. He was praying for the people who would hate him, persecute him, mock him, and scourge him. He was praying for those. The people who would deny him. He had two men on on, on the cross with him, one on his right and two on the left. Don't think that Jesus wasn't praying for them both. But one of those prayers broke through and the man said, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? I'm getting what I deserve, but this man has done nothing. Man, they should have took him off the cross and had revival. Father, I thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. If there's someone here today, oh God, that needs prayer, I'm here. Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, we're going to continue to pray for John right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I believe, oh God, that you are still on the throne. That, Lord, you have the ultimate power and choice and decision. And, God, we're just begging you from the bottom of our heart to release that power, Lord, and heal and deliver him. We're trusting you, oh God, right now. 
But Lord, we, we praise you through good times and bad times. Even if you say no to our prayer today, we still praise you. Because we know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So heal him here or heal him later. Either way, John wins. But we, we, we choose our will is that he would live. We praise you now, Lord. Go with God's people and bless them. Lord, I pray for the young man in the storm right now. Speak life, speak peace over him in the name of Jesus. I speak to those lungs right now in the name of Jesus. Lungs, you are part of the body of Christ. Be healed. Breathe life. Lord, I speak to blood in this church. Diabetes. I speak in the name of Jesus that diabetes will bow its knee to the mighty name of Christ, our Savior. Oh, Lord, I speak to, to ears, Lord, to be open. I speak to eyes to be loose, Lord. Zechariah, the Bible said, immediately his, 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 his mouth was open, his tongue was loose, and he began to speak, and he praised God. I speak to mouths in this church today. I pray immediately their mouths will open. They will speak and pray that the lips of a child's even praising you right now. Hallelujah. Lord, open our mouths. Let us be not ashamed of the gospel, but proud that we bear that name. And Lord, Saturday night, next week, God, I know that we're stepping into the lion's den. But Lord, I pray that you would give me such an anointing. That the moment I open my mouth, Lord, that every soul in that room will be convicted to the core and that someone will be radically saved in Maverick's Bar and Grill. Hallelujah. Make them drop their pool stick and come a-running. Make them drop their whiskey and beer. Whatever it is that's got them bound, loose them in the name of Jesus. God, go with your people in the mighty name of Christ. We praise you in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen and amen. You guys have a blessed day.